Good morning and welcome to the uh, overview uh, teaching on the solas of the Reformation. I'm Jim Ellis. I'm glad to be here. Glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad the uh, weather has turned back to Texas weather. And uh, anyway, I'm going to do an overview of the solas of the Reformation. And for those of you who have not heard of that or it doesn't make any sense, that's why we're having the overview session. <laughs> and uh, that will be followed uh, in five consecutive weeks with uh, other men sharing the teaching. And so I hope you'll take advantage of the upcoming classes. And uh, we'll go over that schedule in a moment. But just to kind of get a brief uh, idea when someone talks about the solas of the Reformation or the great solas or that type of phraseology, is there anybody that's never heard of that or doesn't really have a understanding of that? Okay, good. That's what this class is for. <laughs> but uh, how many have heard of the phrase, the Latin phrase, sola fide? And, and what, what does that mean to you? Faith, faith alone, sola fide. How, how many of you have heard the phrase sola scriptura, the Latin, <laughs> Latin phrase? Okay, those, those are two of the solas of the Reformation. And so just uh, to get started, here, here they are. Here's the five solas that we're going to address in this class. And what you need to know is that those are just five Latin phrases. I call them slogans because that's kind of how they're used today. And uh, these phrases came out of the Reformation, uh, 16th century Protestant Reformation, and they're used today kind of as a shorthand reference to the basic theological principles that were emphasized uh, during the Reformation. And so here they are, uh, sola fide is Latin for by faith alone, sola scriptura, by scripture alone, sola gratia, Latin for Grace alone, solo Christo, through Christ alone, and I asterisk that to say that sometimes you'll see it as solus Christus, which is just the nominative case uh, in Latin, and then finally soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. Now these, these slogans point to principles. They point to principles that became issues and, and were addressed in the Reformation. But, but as they stand alone right there, they're out of context. And so they're a little bit inadequate uh, just as they, they stand unless you know what they're pointing to. Uh, actually, when I look at these, the only one that really kind of stands alone is Soli Deo Gloria, the last one, Glory to God Alone. That's a complete thought. So that kind of stands alone. The others are really just pointers to principles of the Reformation. Now, since we have them here out of context, uh, one of the things I wanted to do was to kind of put them in context so you can kind of know what the issue was that led to these. And uh, to do that, of course, we have to reflect on what was going on in the Reformation. The 16th century Reformation uh, is usually designated as being kicked off by Martin Luther in, I think, 1513 or something like that when he posted his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church. And as 
John Hodges pointed out to me, that's really not necessarily documented to be true, but it's a good legend. <laughs> but however it, however it came to be posted, he did post these theses which said, hey, look, there's some stuff going on here in the church that ain't right. You guys going town to town asking for indulgences. And what are indulgences? Anybody know what indulgences are? Payoffs. Payoffs. <laughs> if, if your daddy beat your mother and uh, died without having uh, last rites, then he's in purgatory and he may never get to heaven. But thanks to the church and the decrees of the Pope, if you pay us a little bit, you can earn him his way out of purgatory and into heaven. Uh, so there's all kinds of abuses going on in the Roman Catholic Church by, by this point in time. And so the, the Reformation started and these principles became issues during the Reformation. And so to put those in context, let's just take a look. And, and the handouts, there's handouts if you don't have one. There's some more here at the front. I've just given you a copy of the chart so you don't have to take notes. Is there any back there that needs some of these? Thanks. Just raise your hand. John has extra copies. But to put that in context, I have listed on the left my my summary of the uh, teaching of the Roman Church, and in the left column and on the right column, my summary of what these solas mean and 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 how they were used to and in the context against the teaching of the church at that time so the roman teaching was we are justified by faith plus works brought about by the righteousness which god infuses in us and and conversely the reformers were saying no we are justified by faith alone that faith which lays hold of the righteousness of Christ that God freely credits to our account when we believe. So that was one of the issues. The next one, which uh, corresponds to sola fide, is the church said, well, the foundation for our faith and practice is a combination of the scriptures, sacred tradition, the teachings of the magisterium, which is just a Latin term referring to the official teaching of the church, and, and the pope. And sola scriptura, which was the reformers' answer to that, is no, our foundation is the scriptures. In fact, they're the only infallible foundation that we have. Sola gratia was, uh, came about as an issue when the church says we're saved through a combination of God's grace, the merits that we accumulate through penance and good works, the abundance of merits that the saints before us have accumulated. Sola gratia, no, we are saved by grace alone, not by anything we've done, not by anything in us, or anything done for us by the church. The Roman church says we are saved by the merits of Christ in combination with the merits of the saints, and we approach God through Christ, the saints, and Mary who all pray and intercede for us. Conversely, no, said the reformers, we are saved by the merits of Christ alone. We come to God through Christ alone, and He is the only true head of the church. And finally, and this is, this is just kind of a, a result, more than a proclamation on the part of the Roman church, but based on all of this, you can see that the glory for a sinner's salvation 
can be attributed partly to Christ, of course, partly to Mary, partly to the saints, partly to the church for what it does on your behalf, and then partly to you yourself, because after all, you cooperated with God's grace and have been infused with the righteousness which allows you to be righteous in and of yourself. And they're saying, no, no. Sole Deo Gloria. The true gospel is that which gives all the glory to God alone as taught in the scriptures. So they, there they are in kind of a context. And uh, the ideas represented by the solas were present from the earliest stages of the Reformation, but it should be pointed out that the actual Latin phrases, especially taken as slogans and, and used as we do nowadays as a list of solas, you won't find that. You'll find, since Martin Luther wrote in Latin, you'll find him using the phrase sola fide, and you'll find him using the phrase, phrase sola scriptura, but it's not because he's listing solas, it's because he's arguing with the powers to be at that time. And so after the Reformation, is sometime after the Reformation, is when they been, came to be accumulated as slogans and listed as shorthand references to some of the fundamental teachings of the Reformation. Today, the purpose of the list is just to summarize those theological tenets. And specifically in the context of the Reformation, that was in contrast to the teachings of the Roman Church. But what I, th- what I hope you gain today, as well as from the classes that follow, is that the principles epitomized by these solas, they, w- they were not new to the Reformation. They were not discovered by the Reformation, but they were recovered by the Reformation. And as the guys who teach in the subsequent sessions will, uh, I'm sure, emphasize, is that these are also biblical principles. And so we're not, we're not talking strictly theological points uh, that were issues way back then. We're talking about biblical principles which still serve uh, the church today. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is uh, a couple of technical phrases that you'll run across if you read about the Reformation, uh, read histories of the Reformation. You'll find the first two of the solas referred to in this sense. You'll find it written that sola fide, by faith alone, is the material cause of the Reformation, and that sola scriptura, Scripture alone is uh, seen as the formal cause of the Reformation. Now, and I only mention this so that when you see that, uh, it, you won't get confused or anything, because it simply means that the and this comes. I point. I gave you a reference here, so you can read more about it if you want. Aristotle's philosophical distinction between the natures of different kinds of causes uh, is, is something that he wrote about ages ago. Uh, R.C. Sproul points out that when historians reflect on the Reformation, they use those philosophical categories to say, hey, here's the material cause and the formal cause of the Reformation. And all that means is that the material causes, that's, that's what fueled the argument. That, that was the issue that was hotly debated. That was the material cause. And here's a quote from Martin Luther. Upon this article, being sola fide, the church stands or falls. In other words, he thought that was such an issue, and we're talking about the doctrine of justification here in broader context, by faith alone, 
Martin Luther said, if you don't hold to justification by faith alone, you will fall as a church. The church stands or falls on that article. That's how important he thought it was. But that was the issue. That was one of the early issues. But what they call the formal cause of the Reformation is the basis or form of the argument with Rome. And that was the issue of authority. So when Martin Luther says, sola fide, we're justified by faith alone, the, uh, the bishops and the church officials would say, but the Pope has said this, and the church teaching says that. And Martin Luther said, but Scripture doesn't. Scripture says something else. And he went on to say, and here's another quote I like, it is an, acu- an accursed lie that the Pope is the arbiter of Scripture or that the church has authority over Scripture. And so you'll see these called the material and formal cause of the Reformation. And logically, the other solas flow from these. Doctor of Justification and the infallible authority of Scripture and the others kind of fall into place and, and became issues on their own to some extent. So I want to uh, reflect a little on some more background. If we look at the church fathers, which were seen as authority for the Roman church, as well as authorities in our own evangelical church as being part of our history as Christians, uh, we see these kind of quotes. Uh, whoops. On Sola Scriptura, for example, Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, back around 400 A.D., says the established authority of Scripture must outweigh every other. And that's all Luther was saying. Uh, Gregory of Nyssa, let the inspired Scriptures be our umpire, and the vote of truth will be given to those whose dogmas are found to agree with the divine words of Scripture. Uh, Basil the Great, 363 A.D. We are not content simply because this is the tradition of the fathers, of which he became one. What is important is that the fathers followed the meaning of Scripture. And so not only was Martin Luther pointing back to the Scriptures themselves, he was saying, our own church fathers are saying exactly what I'm saying. Why have you forgotten this? Next, from uh, the same era... Of church fathers on sola fide. Again, from Basil the Great around 375, he says, Indeed, this is the perfect and complete glorification of God when one does not exult in his own righteousness, but recognizing oneself as lacking true righteousness to be justified by faith alone. And he was writing in Latin, and when he wrote that, it said sola fide, 375 AD. John Chrysostom, 386. They said that he who adhered to faith alone was accursed, but he, Paul the Apostle, shows that he who adhered to faith alone is blessed. Augustine again. How should the law be upheld if not by righteousness? That's true, but, he says, by righteousness which is of faith, for what could not be fulfilled through the law is fulfilled through faith. The very church fathers that the Catholic Church relies on are saying these things. Martin Luther didn't have to argue solely from Scripture. 
his his argument was scripture is infallible but even the fathers back then knew knew what the scriptures said where have you come up with this other stuff and not uh to skip ahead in time uh many years but there were forerunners to the reformation that uh were promoting these ideas and arguing these principles even uh, quite a number of years before the Reformation, it's, uh, it's not like the Holy Spirit took a leave of absence from the time of Augustine until Martin Luther. However, there's a long, dark period in the church where you have to look, and sometimes history, I'm sure, doesn't record it, where the lights of truth were still there. And so there's others earlier than these guys, but I want to point out John Wycliffe, or Wycliffe, uh, was a man ahead of his time, and he is referred to by historians as the morning star of the Reformation because a lot of the things he was arguing back in the late 1300s, the mid the late 1300s, is the same thing that the Reformers were saying 150 years later. He attacked what he saw as corruptions within the church. The same sale of indulgences was an issue with him. Pilgrimages, excessive veneration of the saints, the low moral and intellectual uh standards of the church of the ordained priests he held that specifically the bible was the sole standard of christian doctrine and argued at that time the authority of pope of the pope is not grounded in scripture so here's a guy in england around 300 1380 saying the same thing that the reformers were going to be saying but here's here's something that's interesting and you, you probably know this. He and his earlier, earlier followers translated the Bible into English. Holy moly. The scriptures in the common language. So why do you think he gained followers and became such a instrument of God in those days? It's because the people were reading the scriptures and they could say, you know what? That John Wycliffe is right. Then on the mainland Europe, John Huss, some years later, a bohemian priest who incidentally was excommunicated in 1410, burned at the stake for heresy in 1415, was a follower on the mainland of Europe of John Wycliffe. Translating Wycliffe's writings into what I guess we would now call Czechoslovakian, but whatever the language was around uh, that area of Europe, John Huss, again, translated not only the scriptures, but Wycliffe's writings into the common language. He believed in the priesthood of believers, regarded the Bible as the ultimate religious authority, and that, in other words, the Bible has authority over the teachings of the church, not vice versa, and argued that Christ, rather than any ecclesiastical official, is the true head of the church. The same things the reformers were saying. It was another 68 years after he was executed before Luther was born. There's also a providential preparation, I think, for the Reformation that I found quite interesting. It was almost mind-boggling. And I, I, I knew about this in principle, but I hadn't really looked at it in detail. So I wanted to give you some detail to reflect on. And that is that providentially... The entire landscape, social landscape of Europe was changed when Johann Gutenberg invented movable type for the printing press. That happened in the 1440s. By the end of the 15th century, 
printing presses existed in over 200 cities and towns in Europe. And an estimated 6 million books had been printed under 30,000 titles, the majority of which were on religious topics. More books were printed in the 40 years between 1460 and 1500, the eve of the Reformation, than had been produced by the scribes and monks through the entire Middle Ages. So, was God setting the stage for Luther or what? Between 1518 and 1524, the crucial years of the development of the Reformation, there was a publication in Germany alone of books increased by a factor of seven in those few years. And Martin Luther himself, in these, this three-year period, he wrote 30 tracts which were distributed in the common language in over 300,000 printed copies. And so what this did was facilitate getting the word out, facilitate getting the scriptures out to the common man who'd been indoctrinated by the priests and could only hear services in Latin. They can see the scriptures in English or whatever their native language was in case of Luther was German. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, there, there you have it in summary, is kind of what started it, what gave it impetus, and how it grew and spread. So, uh, following the Reformation, I wanted to point out that the principles of all five solas are found explicit and embedded in the following historic confessions. The Belgic Confession of 1561, the Lutheran Formula of Concord in 1577, and then somewhat later in England, the Westminster Confession in 1646, and the London Baptist Confession of 1689. So see, uh, some of these are like a hundred years later, but the Protestant and Reformed churches eventually codified what they saw as a summary teaching of Scripture in these confessions and uh, documented them. So we have represented the Reformed churches, the Lutheran churches, the Anglican and Presbyterian churches, and the English Baptist churches, all putting out confessions of faith which have these principles embedded in them and, in fact, pillars of their confessions. And so I would encourage you since uh, Community Bible Chapel has a Baptistic ecclesiology, I would encourage you to just go online and search for the London Baptist Confession of 1689. I think it's, you can find it in about 10 pages of reading, maybe less. Uh, print it off, and I think you'll be greatly edified to go back to the time of 1689 and see what these guys were saying as uh, as insofar as this is the this is our faith and see how it matches a lot of what community bible stands for how it talks about the authority of scripture uh grace alone christ alone all of the solas they're all in there and so i encourage you to do that let me just conclude before i open it up for any questions by saying that the roman church today 
teaches the same essential perversions of truth. I'll call them that. You don't have to call them that. But one thing that came out of the Reformation is the Council of Trent. And when the reformers were the reformers were trying to say, "Hey, we got to get back to the biblical principles. We got to straighten the church up." They weren't set. They didn't set out to break away from the Catholic Church. They wanted the church to recognize where they had strayed, clean up their act, get it written, get rid of a lot of that stuff, and communicate with the people in the way the Scriptures do. However, their reaction was the Council of Trent, which actually sets forth dogma against the reformers which had never been catholic dogma before they bowed their neck and said no anathema to everything you're saying no anathema to everything you're saying they bowed their neck against justification by faith alone and they said things and put things into dogma in the council of trent that was actually open for discussion and varied opinions among the catholic priests before but no not now the reformer said this, no. And so actually it got worse as far as a division between the teaching and understanding of the reformers and the Catholic Church in the years that followed. But today, much of Protestantism has regressed, I call it, in a lot of these areas, in various churches and denominations. In fact, uh, that environment in evangelicalism today gave rise to what you, I hope you remember as the Cambridge Declaration, which was signed and published back in 1996. There are guys like uh, John Hanna, our own friend John Hanna from Dallas Seminary, R.C. Sproul, James Montgomery Boyce, Michael Horton, uh, a lot of professors and evangelical pastors uh, put this declaration out and signed it and said, we need to get back to this. And what is that? That is simply a restatement, point by point, of the five solas that we're talking about in this, this session. So I encourage you also, if you want to, go to the Internet, type in the Cambridge Declaration, you'll find it. I think it's two pages worth of reading. But it summarizes exactly what we're saying here. Okay, the upcoming class schedule has, has changed and changed again. Not only the dates have changed, but uh, Cliff will be doing next week, right, Cliff, with Sola Fide, followed by Dave Schlimmy on Sola Scriptura, Phil Barrett, is Phil here? Okay, Phil Barrett will take Soli, Soli Deo Gloria, Sola Gratia, and Solo Cristo. So these aren't quite in the order that I uh, present them to you, but they're in the order that fit these guys' schedules. And so those are, those are the correct dates and schedules as far as I know. So in conclusion, let me put it this way. Sola Fide says our justification, that is our right standing before God, is by faith alone. Sola Scriptura, our only infallible authority for faith and practice is the Scriptures. Sola Gratia, we are saved by grace alone, not by anything we do, not by anything the church does for us, not because of anything in us. 
And we are saved by the merits of Christ alone, and we come to God through Christ alone. There is one mediator between God and man, saith the Scriptures. And that is the man Jesus Christ. And solideo gloria, to God alone be the glory. So just for fun, I tried to say that in one sentence. So you might be able to come up with a better sentence, but we could say we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the person and work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to the Scriptures alone.